to another episode of Break the Cycle. Thank you guys so much for starting the week off right with Break the Cycle. I appreciate you guys uh, coming in, coming day in and day out. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that that Super King uh, uh, live stream that we had on Saturday, the impromptu one with uh, Nick Ashley, based God King Nick Ashley. If you missed that, definitely check it out. It was uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's definitely, it's now passing up uh views of tom woods which is pretty crazy uh if you missed that whole debacle with the fakertarians uh watch both and one of them's very long it's like three hours uh with all the losers on the fakertarian site and then uh there's uh, a follow-up from saturday with me and nick and it was it was wild but anyways check out some sponsors lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door bring the taste of italy home use btc at checkout for a 10 percent discount and of course as always my friend my partner the coolest dude you will ever meet toplobster.com for all your graphic design tees and shirts and hoodies and all that good stuff like this great scott horton in the wars hoodie that i'm wearing tonight hand drawn all the time he's also the one who does all the art on my show he's overworked and underpaid so start supporting the show so we can pay that man what he deserves or join the patreon subscribe star or channel membership here on youtube uh to get into a private discord server where you will get brand new top lobster designs two weeks prior to them being released to the general public for like a 30% discount. So we're talking really cheap, awesome gear. And of course, executive producers of the show, anthemplanning.com, for all your emergency and, and crisis planning needs. These people are doing a, gov a job that the government sucks at for a much cheaper price and much more efficiently. So check them out today and see what they can do for your business, personal life, or home. Guys, we've got an awesome show today. I'm very, very excited. Uh, you know, I, 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 I reached out to this gentleman thinking he would probably big time me. I really, I really mean that. He's really cool. Uh, he's one of my favorite Twitter follows. He's uh, the lead lawyer from the Slant Scottish case. So if you follow that, it was a band trying to trademark their name, the Slants, an all-Asian band. I know it made me laugh too. Uh, he's also uh, the host of Coleman Nation. He is Mr. Ron Coleman. How are we doing today, sir? Good, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Very good. Awesome. Well, Feeling thank, good. Thank you so much for not so big time. By the way, I smell great. You should realize I smell so good today. You smell good. Are you? Uh, are you drop? Yeah. Are you like one of those? Uh, do you have like a sponsor, like Scent Birds or something? You want to talk about your cologne? <laughs> no, but I got a haircut, so you can always come out of the hair the barbershop smelling better. Oh sure. Than you went in. And you're you're up there in the New York, New Jersey area, right? So you guys got like legit barbershops. Every ten feet. <laughs> There's pizza place, barbershop, pizza place, barbershop, right? <laughs> Same families. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, the Iowa barbershops leave a little bit to be desired, but I imagine that that's a good place to have them. So, so man, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your uh, your journey to to conservatism, uh, and also uh, becoming a, a trademark lawyer. I mean, that's really what your your like specialty has been over the last decade. That's what it has been until the last couple of years, and I'm doing less and less of the trademark work. But that, I guess, is you know. Uh, the end of the question, the end of the answer. There was no journey towards conservatism. I was always a reactionary. I was always a, a, a person who was against women and children, wanted to see them, if not die, suffer, ideally suffer and then die. Um, if they could have out-of-body experiences in which they could observe themselves suffering, and that, that was always, as a young man already. No, I mean, I, I was... You have to understand, I'm a, I'm a child of immigrants. My mother came to this country from Cuba in 1957. And even though her parents claimed to be labor socialists, labor, labor movement socialists, like not really so much the bomb thrower socialists, but the trade union type socialists, 
which they had been in Poland, um, and then they were they, they had emigrated from Poland to Cuba in '35 and avoided getting slaughtered, like everybody who didn't emigrate to Cuba, just about. But as left wing as they were, they had no trouble identifying how awesome it was to be in America after having been in Poland as Jews, and after having been in Cuba as anything. Then to be here and just be able to open up a store and live your life, you know, and succeed and flourish and, you know, say what you want. So we were naturally patriotic. That was obvious to us. Now, of course, it's true in the 60s and 70s, most Americans were naturally patriotic. But when I, I, rem I remember, for some reason, I... I, I, I supported Nixon. And I don't know why, because I mean, how old was I? When, when, when Nixon resigned in 1974, I was 11. But I felt sorry for him. I felt, I felt he got a raw deal. I was right, by the way. You really hated I, drugs, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Everybody had the same policy in those days yeah. on that kind of stuff. But so I, was, I really was always a conservative. And it got me in, you know, it got, I, I, it, that's not too, too relevant. First of all, it wasn't relevant to most aspects of life until the last few years. <laughs> I used to be, that was like something, if you're interested in politics, there's also this. Now there's, you know, your party membership card is front and center, for, you know, at, at the gates of wokeness. Right? Your so entire you, personality. Everything you do. Yeah. So, And I never dreamt that it would be that, that basically... In order to do the kind of legal work that I wanted to do, that I would have to leave uh, institutional law firms and either practice by myself or join another lunatic like um, uh, Harmy Dillon, who's my partner, that's what it's come to. Um, so I, I, I've always been very conservative. I did, however, yes, focus my, my practice for a long time on trademark law. Liked it very much. It was how did I become a trademark lawyer? I was always interested in advertising, uh, marketing, just something that appealed to me. I started writing. A, a, I, I always would go when I would change from law firm to law firm, which I did a phenomenal number of times. A phenomenal number of times. <laughs> um, but I would always say to the you know whoever was bringing in the work or assigning the work, you know if you get anything, this is like before intellectual property, as it's called, um, was so popular. I would say, if you've got any trademark cases, I really like that stuff. And they oh, sure, okay, you want that. So I always got that kind of work. And I ended up sort of becoming a little bit of a specialist in the area, um, focusing on, on uh, anti-counterfeiting in a law firm in New York that represented luxury goods manufacturers. And just in, sort of when the internet was really taking off. I got involved also in one of the early domain name cases that was really a free speech case. And that sort of brought me into a little bit of national, um, among trademark lawyers, but people knew about the case. They knew about the work that I'd done in that case. And sooner or later, I found my, I, my, my practice was getting more and more oriented towards free speech because what I saw happening was that companies were using intellectual property lawsuits and threats of lawsuits as a proxy for competition. Sure. To people who are existing dominant companies who are having either, either their products or their distribution systems threatened by the internet, by people who did business on the internet. And they would they would make these specious trademark infringement claims. There was no trademark infringement. Nobody was confused. No one was it was likely to be confused. But I got a lot of work in that area. Ended up for a while representing a number of um, gripes. Uh, 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 guys, guys who ran a very popular gripe site called pissedconsumer.com. Um, Again, the free speech and, and, and the intellectual property stuff got closer and closer until I got involved with the Slants case, which you mentioned. Sure. 
So I guess you want me to tell you about the slants case. Well, we, we could definitely talk about the slants case. So I, that case actually took a long time. It was like eight years or something like that, right? All right, but we got we can do eight years yeah, tonight, right? Yeah, real quick, real quick, you know. But I but before we move on, I want to talk a little bit about I want to talk a little bit about trademark law. So I had I had Stefan Kinsella on the show last week. Are you familiar with Stefan at all? Oh yeah, I know him very well. Yeah, yeah. super anti <laughs> so Stefan Nikela's a or Stefan Kinsella, sorry. I had Stephen Nikela on and then Stefan Kinsella the next day. It's it's still bringing in my brain my brain. But uh so Stefan Nikela uh has written a book uh, uh, uh that's anti um um uh IP, right? He thinks that it's a uh an infringement on on first amendment rights and so therefore also trademark law is an infringement on on uh first amendment's rights yeah. and uh that it, it's directly contradictory to the constitution and in fact doesn't it doesn't have a clause for it in the constitution is i mean is that is that kind of where you got after working through trademark stuff or no uh not at all trademarks are, are uh, i'm completely a believer in trademarks trademarks um trademarks are created by common law it is a cause of action. The the idea of trademark law is to prevent confusion on the part of consumers. If I I buy something that looks like a Coca-Cola, there's a very strong public policy interest in in ensuring that I get Coca-Cola. So if you're a libertarian, you say, well, no, if you open it up and you get a a dead rat in there, you won't buy from that store again. So that incentivizes the store. All right, fine. In the modern industrial society, there's a, a great deal of need for, for, for trademarks that you basically, uh, consumers should not be defrauded buying something that they think is different from what the, from a mark that they're familiar with. In fact, during, during the briefing of the Slants case, the esteemed Harvard law professor, uh, what's her, I don't remember her name now. Uh, but there, there was a group of, of, of left-wing law professors who filed a brief saying this is the court's opportunity to announce that trademark law is unconstitutional and that that's an abridgment of free speech. It's not an abridgment of free speech. I can sit here and say Coca-Cola all day long. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. What I can't do is tell you this is Coca-Cola because that's that's a kind of deceptive speech that is not protected under the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. I can say it. But if, but you, you, until someone slaps an injunction on it, so no, I'm not, I'm not drinking that Coca-Cola. Sure. So I mean, so I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a law guy. I have people from all different walks of life on my show all the time. But um, what, what would be the difference between that and they like, you know, there's already laws against fraud, right? But if I wanted to buy like a knockoff Chanel purse or something, I don't, I don't wear purses, Ron. I, it's not my thing. I know some people might be disappointed, but if I did want to buy a knockoff Chanel purse for a friend, I, for, for a for friend, a fr- for asking for a friend, correct? Would that? I mean, would that be? Would that be stifling what I want to do? You know, with my own uh, autonomy. Well, I will. So I will tell you that that I think you, you you I've actually so I have a blog called Likelihood of Confusion, which in trademark law is you have to in order to make a claim for trademark infringement you have to prove a likelihood of confusion. One of the problems with trademark law, in fact, is that judges really hardly ever require proof of a likelihood of confusion. It, it's a very poorly. Um, there's a lot of a lot a lot of bad law out there. But on my blog, I've written numerous times challenging this idea that consumers are at, are are necessarily defrauded when they buy counterfeit merchandise. Most of them know they're buying counterfeit. They want counterfeit. They want to fool other people. And that's why they're buying counterfeit. They want people to think that they have Louis Vuitton. And that's a real hole in the theory of trademark protection. And that hole has been filled by by step by the statute by the Lanham Act statute, which makes counterfeiting, it's, um, it's a separate statutory violation, even though counterfeits so counterfeits are are just are defined as exact copies, 
of uh, merchandise that uses an exact copy of the trademark. So you think, well, that's obviously, why do I need a special law for that? After all, that would seem to fit right down the middle of classic trademark infringement. And the answer is that if you are shown to have committed counterfeiting, there's a much more serious, uh, much more serious um, uh, penalties for that. But you, you, that's a great that's that's a bona fide libertarian question because at the bottom of every trademark infringement claim is supposed to be this idea of, of consumer protection, and if consumers are buying are buying um, counterfeits on purpose, how how does it protect them to not give them that choice? There's so the answer to that is is a legal fiction. It's a legal fiction that doesn't have. It, it's not entirely fictional. There's some truth to it, but I, th I think it, much too much weight is placed on it. The fiction is, sure, you want to buy a fake Rolex. Or as I used to say when we represented Rolex, a fake Rolex, fake Rolex watch. Mm. Because if I call it a Rolex, then I'm turning a Rolex into a thing, and that's generic. It's a bit of a stretch. But sure, you you know you're buying a fake Rolex watch. But if that watch passes on to one of your kids, or you give it to a gift to someone, or you sell it on eBay, and they and they don't know that it's a fake, and then it goes kablooey, that's gonna hurt Rolex, the Rolex brand, because people think, look at this, I, I'm, I'm wearing the shower, it's supposed to be good to 40,000 feet under, uh, under the sea, and uh, it's, it's ruined. So much for this Rolex baloney. So that's what's called downstream confusion, that consumers who are not part of the original choice of um, making the decision to buy counterfeits will be confused and that that will harm the brand. So that's it's an interesting concept, and I think there's, there's some validity to it, but it's definitely more attenuated than that initial that initial sale. I'll tell you what's even more troubling. The Lanham Act, which is the trademark statute, was, you know, you didn't tell me we were gonna talk about trademark law. You're gonna really be sorry. But you're gonna like this. A couple decades ago, they amended the Lanham Act so that trademarks were not only described as, you know, words or symbols or pictures that denote the origin of a product or service, but also the endorsement or approval of, of product or service. In other words, it gave birth to the licensing business. That's a gazillion dollar business. And it's employing lots and lots of people, and a lot of people make a lot of money in licensing, and that's great. But every time I read someone from the NFL saying, yeah, we rounded up all these people selling bootleg T-shirts in the giant stadium park. I'm sorry, Metropolitan Life Stadium parking lot. And we protected the consumers from the poor quality merchandise. Come on. Yeah, the $5 jerseys T-shirts. Right, you're telling me that these people out here they were buying the $5 T-shirts. That good thing this is an authorized right. NFL product because I know the NFL made uh, endorse you know it's, it's it's nonsense and there's plenty of garbage that's you know that's authorized licensed good so the more so it's you know it's classic rent seeking you're a libertarian so you're familiar with with Coase's theorem with you know basic you know my, uh, microeconomics and we see that when people you know what has happened is that the intellectual property elite not only do they do they get laws like this passed and do they push or influence or um, convince judges to extend the law in this way? But they also have a system where they build a um, a buffer zone around their actual rights. And the best example of this that I always give is around Super Bowl time when they start writing threatening letters to bars who say, Super Bowl party! You know, uh, come, come one, come all, you know, $25, uh, you know, a flat, uh, you know, um, per head and, you know, come at four o'clock. And then they get a letter from the NFL. 
not an authorized use of Super Bowl. As if anyone, as if anyone thought that it was an authorized use of Super Bowl. Right, right. And what they do is they send, there's such a short window of time and there's so much, so little money at stake for each individual bar owner that it doesn't pay for anyone to fight back. So that's, you know, that's what, what, what they call trademark bullying. So there, there's a lot of abuse, a lot of rent seeking in this area. And, um, you know, on the other, but, but on the other hand, that's a long way from saying that there's no place for trademark. I think there is. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I was going to ask a little bit about the Lanham Act, because uh, as far as uh, Kinsella was concerned, um, the constitution only authorizes copyright uh, or uh, was it patent and, co- and copyright law, but doesn't explicitly uh, authorize the, uh, the trademark law. So that was kind of like my, my thing. And what I was wondering, but it about. doesn't authorize, doesn't authorize fraud. Sure. Doesn't authorize. Yeah. There's definitely it, law. it doesn't say the Congress that the States may pay uh, are, are authorized to pass laws against pickpocketing. Sure. And I'll tell you something else. Um, Trademarks are not really intellectual property. It's a little different. Trademarks are abstract property. They protect a reputation. They protect a a brand. But there's nothing intellectual about that. Copyrights and patents are the product of intellectual activity. And the Constitution and and the statutes that have been empowered to be passed by the Constitution flesh out i mean look if you want to become complain about some something abusive in intellectual property law it's it ain't trademark it's copyright copyright is forever now it's forever i mean you know it's the life of the creator plus 70 like it used to be just 70 years now it's the life of the creator plus I, I lost track because I'm not, you know, it hardly ever, like, it's such a long statute of limitation. I'm mean, such a long term that it's irrelevant. Um, so that's what Congress does these days. Sure. Sure. Yeah. They're always focusing on the really important things, aren't they, Ron? <laughs> Uh, we got a super chat from Fubadoo. Thank you, sir. $5 super chat. He said, Ron Coleman is the bomb. Easily top 10 Twitter follow. Awesome. Agree. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're no, up he's there. right. You're up there. Yeah, he's right. We know he's right. We know he's right. So, so let's, okay. So let's get a little into the slants case. I read a little bit about this case, uh, all Asian band. Um, they wanted to, Asian American. what's that? Asian American. Correct. And they, they wanted to, uh, they wanted to trademark the name, the slants and it, it was a fight and you guys went all the way up to the Supreme court. So, so why don't you lay that situation out and tell us how that came about? You know, I can be pedantic from time to time. And there's a time to be pedantic. This is the time to be pedantic, and, I'll, and you'll see why in a minute. They didn't want to trademark it, because trademark is not a verb. Trademark is a, is a noun. Tra- what, the, the federal statute, the Lanham Act, for trademark protection, establishes a system for registration of trademarks. In other words... It acknowledges that trademarks are creatures of state law, common law, or even statutes, but that each state establishes what's to be recognized as a trademark. And if you've got a trademark, tell us when you started using it, tell us what the trademark is, tell us what goods and services you use it with, and we'll we'll keep it right here in this box okay we'll just it'll be a register it'll be a little place that people can go if you register your trademark we'll give you certain privileges these include putting the world on notice of your trademark rights and very importantly establishing you as presumptive senior user or first user actually in every state in the United States, even if you didn't use it in that state, which is really important. So that if you, as long as you used it in interstate commerce, okay, so you, in theory, these days almost everything is interstate commerce, because after all, if if you can tell a luncheonette counter owner that you can't discriminate 
based on race, even though he's in the middle of Alabama, because trucks come from other states. And that makes it interstate regulation of interstate commerce. That's, if that's how we're going to roll, that's pretty much how we roll in trademarks also. But let's just say that, you know, to keep it simple, if I sell five Ron Coleman pies uh, from New Jersey to New York, I've now used, and, and they, have, they have my logo, my smiling face on it. Um, I've now used the mark in interstate commerce, and I've filed papers with the trademark with the, with, the, with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and and they say, listen, we don't see anything here that suggests anyone else has tried to register this trademark for these services. We're going to publish your, we're going to register your mark, but we're going to give the public 30 days to object. And if nobody objects in 30 days, and, and it's your business if you think that, you know, if, if you've got brands or you've got a business, you need someone monitoring the, the USPTO publication data to make sure that you don't, someone doesn't register your trademark from underneath you. It's not the end, necessarily the end of the world because registration in the US, again, trademarks are not born, they're only registered under federal law. That's the framework. So the slants are, yes, a bunch of Asian American guys out of Portland. And they want to register the name of their band, The Slants. Why is it called The Slants? It's what we call reappropriation. It's like when the N-word is used in rap music and Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and we're here, we're queer. In other words, we're going to take those terms of humiliation that you tried to shove down our throats and we're going to show you that yeah that's what we are what do you you got a problem with that so the slant said you know that's us that's what we're going to do and the uspto said no we're not registering that because it is a an ethnic slur sure and i was writing uh, articles about the application of this of the of the section 2a of the lanham act which prohibits the registration of a trademark that is the word is um not derogatory um how can i forget this i lived this for my, my entire life let's take a shortcut and say if it was if it was they were not although the statute didn't actually read this way if it was if it was derogatory to people then they they could not register it to now that came to mean ethnic slurs could not be registered as trademarks. Or any kind of slur, you would think. Except I began to notice as I was following these cases, and my original inclination was, look, you don't have a free speech right to have a trademark registration. That's not free speech. What is that? Why is that free speech? Why should the government register nasty words? Okay? So... I began to notice, however, that certain kinds of registrations that should have been prohibited under Section 2A, like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and Dykes on Bikes, were being refused, were being permitted, allowed, allowed registration. Why should that be allowed? How come it's okay to reappropriate slurs related to sexual conduct, but not related to race. So I started writing about this and observing that it seemed that there was something political going on. And Simon Tam's lawyer at the time, who was not a litigator, contacted me and said, Ron, I, we saw your blog post about the latest rejection of the slants and thought maybe you'd be interested in taking this case on pro bono because... You look like the kind of schmuck who takes cases on pro bono, <laughs> and Simon doesn't have money, and I'm really pretty much had it with this. There's, I, I and, just want to um, be, I just want to be honest. There's no Portland musicians that have money. It just how it works. I, I lived <laughs> there for seven years and was a musician. I get it. Hi kids, do you like violence? 
Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Are you a musician? I am. Yeah, yeah. I play. I play bass and drums and sing. I've sang in a bunch. Of- so you know, you know, don't you, that um, Simon Tam is a bass player. Correct. Yeah, yeah. As am I. Um, but not quite as um not quite as accomplished okay so the issue here so i started taking a quick look at this disparaging the word is, is not oh, there is we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah right not, can you imagine i lived i lived this <laughs> sure. so i took it on i, I decided I, I thought maybe we could you know do something with it I tried to finesse the issue, and what I realized was they weren't real. I should have been able to finesse it because they actually the, the PTO actually did a the patent trademark office did a rather sloppy job of denying this. But what I came to realize is that there was a culture in the PTO that ethnic slurs were simply not going to be registered anymore. If they ever were, they weren't going to be anymore. I'll tell, in the interim. I had actually been approached by the publishers of a magazine published by Jewish hipsters in New York called Heeb, H-E-E-B. Jeez. And they had gone through the same thing. They tried to get a trademark registration, and they, and they were refused. And the interesting thing there was that they already had a registration for the name of their magazine that had been granted like 10 or something years ago, or, or years before. Now they wanted to start doing merchandising. And they couldn't get a registration on the grounds that two A prohibited it. They said, "But wait, the same two A. It's the same same statute, same word." What happened? The politics changed. And what I really realized, and I wrote a a really out there blog post saying, "This is really about one thing." They're terrified in the PTO of having to register the word nigger as a trademark because that's the one word that you can't say. No, I just said it because I said it in a, an academic and intellectual way. And I'm not, I would never ever use that word in normal speech. It's not something I don't call people that. Never did. My parents didn't. But it's really all about, so, so reappropriation is fine, but disparagement of Ethnic groups is not fine. And one of the problems with a reappropriation theory is that trademarks can be assigned. So if I've got a trademark for the slants, I can, and I'm Simon Tam, and I say, listen, I'm an Asian guy. So I, you know you know, if I use it, I don't mean it in a hateful way. I mean it in a reappropriation way. But tomorrow he gets the registration. He can turn around and assign it to David Duke. True. And no one can do anything about that. In fact, I said to Simon, look, if you really want to get this done, they know who you are in the PTO. Why don't we just have Simon, uh, why don't we just have uh, Thurston, uh, what is it? Uh, what was the, who was the millionaire on Gilligan's Island? Oh, oh, uh, God, I know this too. Thurston <laughs> Howe. Yeah, yeah, there Thurston it is. Thurston Howe yeah. III yeah. registered this for you. Okay. And they won't be able to say that, you, you know, that, anyway, he said, no, you, you I want to get this done right. So we got it done right. We appealed the PTO uh, to the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board. They rubber stamped it as we expected they would. We appealed it to the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals, which the panel, the three-judge panel, confirmed. uh, they affirmed it also, saying that that's the controlling law. There's no First Amendment right to a trademark registration. But then one of the judges on that panel filed 
something very unusual. Usually, when the when when you have an opinion in a, in a court in a case, you've got the majority opinion and maybe a concurring opinion, and sometimes a dissenting opinion. But this was the first time any of us had ever seen something called uh, additional thoughts. And it was a very long essay by one of the judges saying, listen, our hands are tied. The controlling law in this circuit is that there's no right to a trademark registration under the First Amendment, but that's probably not good law. And if the entire 12-judge circuit would reconsider the issue, we could overturn this. So we took that as a hint that they wanted us to do that. Uh, we did, before we had a chance to ask them for that, though, they actually vacated their own decision, sent us to the 12-judge panel. I argued in front of 12 judges at the same time. It was a lot of fun. It was like the clown car comes out and they all just keep coming, judges just keep coming out in their black robes. And uh, we won. The U.S. and Patent, Patent and Trademark Office then sought review by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court granted the review. We won again. The Redskins helped us. First, they tried to get in line in front of us, but when they saw that wasn't going to happen, they helped us win, all to preserve their valuable trademark, which they ended up giving up themselves sure. the last couple of years, which, by the way, confirmed exactly what I said, which is that the market should determine whether or not you're tr not the government, but the market should determine whether or not your trademark is too offensive to be a trademark. And that's the name of that too. The, the Washington football team though, man. I mean, it's, you know. It's like the antithesis of a trademark. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild you can't even to me. Protect it. It's wild to me. But so, so like, so you guys, I didn't get to the, uh, the, you know, what happened at the end of this case. So do you guys, you guys didn't end up winning the case. Is that what you're saying? We won the Supreme Court. You did win the Supreme yes. Court. Okay. Yes. While you were, while you were trying to do show management. Yeah, it's so much. I took it over. The, okay, that's I, so. I took it into the end zone. Okay, that's what I thought. So, so, had I got this, yes. had had let's say Tam had not gotten a trademark, you guys had lost the case eight years down the drain. What I mean, would his rights be being violated in your eyes? Yes, his, his, his free speech rights would have been violated. But the government withholds a privilege that is otherwise available to others based on viewpoint discrimination, that is a violation of the First Amendment. And what the PTO was trying to argue was that this is really nasty speech. Why should the government give its approval to nasty speech? And Judge Alito, Justice Alito said in his opinion, this may or may not be nasty speech, but the government is not particularly well suited to decide what's nasty speech. And no one really considers it a government endorsement. It just, it's just, like I said, it's a box full of trademarks. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, let's let's it's, talk some about about free speech, since that's where you've kind of gone these days, right? Yes. Let's let's talk about uh, the White House and social media. Uh, this is this, this is your this is your uh, this is your wheelhouse, Ron, right? Which White House, though? <laughs> is there is there more than one these days? I don't even know. That's, well, I'm not talking certainly... about the ones in in Kentucky, that's for sure. No, but the Trump the Trump White House invited us all up to a social media summit. Remember that? Yeah, I do. In, yeah. In summer yeah. of 2019. And we were all bracing for action. Sure. And we, we got nothing. Right. We got nothing. We got an executive order like a year later that had no teeth. There was no legislative proposal. It, it was just garbage. It was, it was so disappointing. And it made possible what we're seeing now, which is when we're the press secretary of the Democrat who was, who was elected by virtue, in part, of the control of the censorship of social media that was allowed during the Trump administration, uh, comes out and says, as she did this week or last week, we are working with social media companies to tell them what kind of misinformation to get off their platforms. That's not good. No, no. That's real bad. The law is the government can't outsource infringing your constitutional rights. They cannot have a 
private party do what the, they themselves can't do. And that's what they're that's what they're doing now. And it's an amazing thing that they're not only doing it, but they're 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 admitting it loud and proud. Could it have something to do with the lawsuit that we filed on behalf of Brandon O'Hanley, DC Drano, a few weeks ago in California? Yeah, that's that's pretty new. What's what's can you give a little backstory on that? So I I kind of heard a little bit about it, but I'm not fully yeah. aware. So so you know DC Drano, real cool guy, Rogan O'Hanley, Scott. I don't know, remember whether it's two or three million followers on Instagram. He had a, a really big following on Twitter also. And he was banned by Twitter on a, on a, based on a claim that he had um, he was in, he was interfering with election security. Judicial Watch earlier this year filed a FOIA with the state, uh, I think actually it was, it was California state FOIA, with the uh, election administer, administration, the, the you know bureaucracy in California that runs elections. And they produced, in response to this FOIA request, a trove of documents proving that under the the uh, under the disguise, really, but what they were calling election security was really a political censorship operation run by the California State Attorney General's Office. Shocking. Along with 22 other Democratic attorneys general from around the country. Very shocking. Through the National Association of Attorneys General. Color me shocked. <laughs> in which they provided to Twitter lists of people that had to be taken down. And the tweet that they claimed that Rogan had uh, threatened election security with was one where he questioned whether or not California was doing an adequate job of maintaining ballot integrity. Uh, during the during the um, counting process, and they said, "Well, he's misrepresenting the way we do things in California." In other words, he's 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 not telling the truth. He's not he's not telling the truth. So rather than issue a tweet correcting him, they told Twitter to ban him, and Twitter banned him, and the tweet where he was asking these questions was tweeted after the election. So th there was no way he could possibly have affected security during the election. So this is, um, this is a bombshell, and like a good bombshell that has the potential to embarrass uh, the elites and the Democrats, you have not heard anything about it in right. the national press. Right. So that's why I'm accepting all these invitations. I uh, I heard about it from you, by the way. That's the that's the. Yes, I, I heard you a little bit on the Chase Geisler uh, One American show, and that's where I heard a little bit about that. So that's that's a guy to watch. He came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I just was on a show uh, two weeks ago. He's great. He's coming to my show next month. So you have to just be careful. You know, you so you're on a show. You can't stare at his eyes. Yeah, he's it's mesmerizing. He'll hypnotize. <laughs> he just looks right into your face. Like, uh, I, I got some, uh, some people, um, said that that's what I do too. So I try not to stare right at the camera too much now. Cause I, I get, you know, but well, you're all the way back in the corner from where I'm sitting. You're all the back in the corner of the room. Cause I don't really, you're on a different camera really... than the live stream oh. camera. That's why the live stream camera is a little closer. It's uh 1080p. You're on like nine, nine twenty whatever. So, uh, but yeah, so that's crazy, man. That's, that's insane. I mean, ha you know, it was already crazy to me that Twitter and Facebook and Instagram were removing people, myself included. I was removed from uh, from Facebook and Instagram at the same time with no warning in October. Uh, you know, I sit on the Libertarian National Committee. I was stumping for Joe Jorgensen, obviously, just because she was my candidate. For and as as milk toast and boring as she was, she was to me better than the other candidates. And I'm not a I'm not one of those guys that. You know, people are like, you're throwing away your vote. And I'm like, well, I could just not vote if you don't want me to, I guess. But uh, so, um, 
but but it was that and I, and then uh i i dared make the 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 claim that what if what if this this vac this uh this this terrible pandemic sweeping the world had been i don't know released from a lab in wuhan china and bam i was gone that's misinformation gone i was gone done they didn't let me download my profile i'd had that profile for 11 years ron I had the last pictures of my grandfather and me on there before he passed away. I mean, pictures of my children when they were little that I'll never see again because, I, you know, I'm never going to leave Facebook. So I'm going to take, you know, this old phone that I got and I put all these pictures on Facebook and then I get rid of the phone. Then I got a new phone and now all my pictures are gone. All these posts that I have made over 11 years. If you're years. watching this and you're still on Facebook. Download shit. <laughs> but you can do, you know, there's a, there, they have, you got to go to the controls yeah. behind and they'll let they'll send they'll they'll send you a zip file with everything. You don't have to sit there manually. Sure. They'll send you a zip file with everything. And by the way, I did this myself uh, last year. There was stuff I had really forgotten about. Really, like oh, that, that's still on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good exercise anyway. Yeah. But yeah, but they don't care. You know, and and that you know who acts like that? Not businesses. No tyrants yeah tyrants that's well, what dictatorships do and that's the thing i've had a lot of i've had a lot of these these uh these censorship conversations on the show it's it's a big topic for everybody especially conservatives these days because let's be honest conservatives no. yeah, yeah you did not tell me at any point before the show they were gonna be honest i know a lawyer hey you know uh no i'm just saying i know i'm sure you're tired of lawyer jokes after how long you've been a lawyer but uh so it's you know being a conservative or a libertarian as I am, or uh, even I mean some of these anarcho capitalists that you know some of the other anarchists that are even the lefty anarchists, but they're 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 anarchists. I mean it's dangerous. Your social media platform, what you say, is so dangerous because with the click of a button, you could be removed from what I like to call the the digital town square. Is how I look at it. You know, it's where we get most of our information. It's where we connect with our family members. And it's taken from you at the blink in the blink of an eye. And it's almost always conservatives and libertarians. So, I mean, is that, you know, I, I've heard people argue that we are having our free, our free speech attacked by, by the platforms because, you know, I don't know if you've ever read anything uh, uh, about the cathedral. Have you ever heard this term, the cathedral? And, you know, the, uh, they call it the, uh, the holy union between the mainstream media, the government, and, and academia, right? Like, and they kind of have this, they get to push the narrative. And then, but I like to add, if you're going to, if you're going to talk about those things, you got to add these big tech companies, right? Cause these big tech companies sure. are a big part of it too. They're in And in fact, uh, Curtis Yarvin, who initially wrote about this stuff was working in big tech at the time when he wrote about this stuff. So probably why he didn't include big tech. Uh, but so big tech is, you know, they are pushing a political narrative in this country. 100%. I mean, is that an attack? How do, we, how do we prove that that could be an attack on free speech? Well, you don't have, there's no issue of attacking, of proving that it's an attack on free speech. I mean, everyone knows it's an attack on free speech. The question is to your libertarian friends, who cares? They, free speech is, is you know, freedom of the press belongs to people who own the press. And it's their private companies. What the O'Handley case does is demonstrates you know, before their people were beginning to connect the dots between threats of regulation and actual, you know, and 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 voluntary actions taken by the platforms. But now we've got these smoking guns that demonstrate that it's beyond that. It's de facto cooperation. So it makes it a little bit easier. We don't have to kind of uh, right. over, but, but it, it, it is problematic that so many people, and I'm pointing my fingers at you libertarians, were so, have been so comfortable and remain so comfortable with this idea that if the government doesn't do it, I'm fine with a corporation doing it. Dude, these corporations are governments. Yeah. They're bigger than almost they. Mo, the, Google has more wealth than almost any state in the world. But they've amassed it with government protections. 
And, and all right, and you know, that's an important point. Right. And I, I to, to some extent, it's a little bit like the reparations type stuff, or uh, you know, Republicans really were the ones who who uh, you know 150 years ago were pushing for civil rights. Like that was then. What have you done for me lately? Okay, now it's true. Second, like there, there's one argument that says Section 230 is in and of itself a form of government, you know, uh, preference and aid. But if we just play it really dumb here and say, okay, it's a corporation, it's privately owned. That are you is your interest in freedom, or is it is your interest in just some artificial construct called a government? In other words, if Google operated in the courthouse, is that if that's where their offices were located, uh, if they had a, if they built a building with a, with a dome on top, would that make them the government? Because they're the government. They're not only deciding, you know, who can be on YouTube, they're deciding what information you're going to get in your search results. Sure. And they can kill a news story. How about freedom? What happened? Libertarianism, I thought, was about freedom. But there's this obsession with what has really become a... But this is something Patrick Buchanan warned us all about 30, 40 years ago. He said that, you know... There's a globalist movement. There's, you know, the cathedral. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, it's a problem, man. So yeah. that's what we're fighting. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I think, I think, uh, I think that's a real blind spot for libertarians. Uh, you know, I, I used to have that same. It's a private business, bro. You know, uh, blind spot as well. It took me a lot. It took a lot of red pills to get me to a point where I was like, that's just not a private business anymore. They haven't. But been did a you did you get before. there before you got kicked off the 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 uh, Yes. Yes. I was, I was there. I was there when they were kicking off. I, I think the Alex Jones removal really got, got me. And, and regardless of if you agree with Alex Jones, who by the way, has been right on a lot of things, uh, regardless of if you agree with Alex Jones or not throwing Alex Jones, who has one of the biggest, uh, viewerships in the country off because you don't agree with what he's saying that to me was like a, Whoa, wait a minute. If they'll come after Alex Jones, they'll come after little old me for sure. You know, and then they started going on this 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 tirade, and then they did eventually remove me, a sitting member of a national political party's uh, national board, um, and uh, and they yeah. removed the president of the United States before an election. The president <laughs> of the United States before an election. Now that is seriously problematic. I don't give a shit what you think about Trump. I don't care. He was the president of the United States of America, and you removed him from the town square. Literally, that's what you did. You removed him from the town square, and uh, you didn't let him speak to all of his constituency through this 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 public, you know, public square that is used by everybody to talk to everybody. And uh, that was when it, that was when it really got, I think, the most real for me as far as how it goes. And you know, I I didn't vote for Trump. I I you know, obviously, I would take Trump in a heartbeat over a Joe Biden presidency. But I it just it was that was terrifying. That was 1984 kind of kind of shit going on there there's just that's no where we are we have to recognize it and i think more and more people are recognizing it and i've been talking to a lot of people people guests on my podcast coleman nation podcast coleman nation nation that's <laughs> coleman nation like it's my name but it's like a pun on culmination which means finalization completion um and you know like i said i was i I was on Michael Malice. Uh, I recorded with Michael Malice today. It was, of course, one of your demigods. What's your favorite thing about Michael Malice? <laughs> that no matter who you are, at the end of the show, you'll get your welcome. You're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did that go, man? How did how did your recording with uh, with Michael Malice? Oh uh, well, we really we really enjoy each other. We don't see we don't see things the same way. Oh, no. But He's first of all, he's an extremely gracious host, so he never presses the point. Uh, he really he's there to listen to you. But we just get a big kick out of each other because we're, we're both wisecracking Jewish guys, uh, you know, from Eastern European families, and he's smart as hell. And we're both also very verbal. Sure. Uh, neither of us has a radio voice like yours. When I first heard you, when we first, you know, signed up for the soundcheck, I said, well, this guy wasn't such a purveyor of misinformation. 
he would really be a popular host. Yeah, it's uh, I got a face for radio, Ron. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I'm definitely fully aware of that. Have you got on Dave Smith's show yet, though? Part of the problem. No. That's a good one, too. He's a good one, too. Or Tom Woods. Have you been on Tom Woods? No, no, no. I'm only beginning to, to make these kind of rounds. Oh. And, uh, you know, you so far I haven't turned anyone down. Sure. And you said I, I thought Ron was. I thought yeah, you were going to big time what? me. I love to hear myself speak. <laughs> I am getting tired of hearing myself speak about the same things. Sure. But you did like speak about trademark law, which in fact is I I really like trademark law, but I'm doing less and less of it. And you know the at this point I'm more likely to represent people who have medium sized businesses and get into a trademark litigation situation than I am brands, sure. which is fine. Sure, they're absolutely. part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of really good libertarian podcasts out there. You should make your case on man. That that definitely definitely Dave Smith. Uh, he may he may be our libertarian nominee in 2024. So he's uh, yeah, and he's pretty cool. He's he's pretty cool, man. He's he's very he's very big on the culture war, which I think is great. He's a stand up comedian, really really spry, smart guy, and uh, he knows okay, his policy. Okay, maybe it'll happen. Yeah, he's on Kennedy all the time, and 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 he used to he used to with all them guys and he also is on a really raunchy podcast of a bunch of comedians called uh, uh legion of skanks which is pretty fun so uh <laughs> but ron i really appreciate you coming on man we're definitely gonna go have a, a private stream here shortly maybe we'll talk about i don't know election fraud or something cool some something controversial because that's how we roll in the after hour stream but ron uh what's next for you man what do you got coming up you know, more of the same. Everybody, first of all, if they really want to find out, they need to follow me on Twitter at Ron Coleman. You spell it like it sounded like it's spelled like it sounds. C O L E M A N. And uh, you know, I've got a YouTube channel, and the Coleman Nation podcast is really keeping me busy. But you know, we're, we're gonna. We, we also, you know, we are, my firm is also representing uh, Project Veritas in our law, in the lawsuit against CNN. Oh, nice down in Atlanta. And uh, we're also representing. James O'Keefe personally in his lawsuit against Twitter up in Westchester County, New York. So you ask me what's next. I'm living in the here and now, man. Yeah, that's a good I'm one. I'm loving it. We gotta go, it. We got to go to war with Twitter, man. That's important. Uh, actually, we got a couple of super chats before we hop off. I just want to I want to address Top Lobster. Honor the super chats, yeah, man. They're five, yeah, they're the ones supporting the show, man. Top Lobster $5 super chat. He's also the guy who drew you. Uh, he He's asking if you're familiar with Dr. Shiva. Yes. I don't know why he's asking if you're familiar with Dr. Shiva, but <laughs> wanted to know. Sure, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Level Zero is also a patron of the show. Thank you, sir. Five dollar for super chat. He said, "What are your thoughts about medical privacy and employment with the big V issues popping up?" Very complicated because we're libertarians, right? Sure. So if I run a company and I say I don't want anybody here who is going to give anybody a cold. Well, I'm not going to be able to hire anyone because everyone can get a cold. But if I say I don't want anyone coming in here, just the problem is what happened to all those years that I had to hire, I had to bring into the workplace people with all these disabilities. Uh, you know, they may or may not have. The fact of the matter is, the problem here is that this, there's no scientific basis for believing that you're, you know, especially certainly. Look, the hard question is with the vaccinations. I, I, I understand that. The hard question is with, and people are contacting me multiple times a day. I don't want to take the back. I, I won't get vaccinated. I had COVID a year plus ago. I have to get vaccinated for an illness that I had. Yeah, and probably is somewhat minor for you, I'm sure. Thank God, yeah. yeah. Well, you look at me. I'm a robust guy. You know. <laughs> There's a lot of really good sandwiches in that area, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I get it. I've eaten most. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, one more super chat from uh, John Howe. He's a lawyer in New York as well. Uh, really cool guy. I'm a big fan of him. He's, he said he wants to support y'all coming together. He loves Ron. Uh, he's, Hi. he's a cool guy. He's talking about maybe running for uh, for office there in New York too. So nice guy. Nice Love guy. John. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, Ron, you got all these great things coming up. The Project Veritas thing is huge. That's a huge, huge deal. I should be national news all the time of course it won't be because it's project veritas and o'keefe and uh so they don't like them very much but uh where can the people find you and support you at ron support me i make a living i'm not i'm not looking for anybody to give me anything i love to have followers i love anyone who follows me knows that i engage for a guy with a blue check and under thirty thousand followers i play ball 
I probably spent too much time doing it. But I, I consider it to be an educational thing. I'm quick, quick, quick. So I get it done efficiently. So follow me on Twitter. Look for me also, uh, you know, on, on YouTube. Just like everybody else. I mean, at this point, you know, Google me. But just put the word lawyer, Ron Coleman lawyer. Because yeah. if you just put in Ron Coleman, you're going to get a very, very large African-American man who is not me. Yeah. As a result. My name's Joshua Smith. So good luck Google and me, guys. Well, right, but your, your real name, come on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely check out Coleman Nation, in case you don't remember. Uh, that is the name of uh, Mr. Coleman's podcast. Check him out. Check him out everywhere. He's obviously going to be making the uh, the Libertarian podcast around. And you're great, Ron. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, I appreciate you having me. I'm you. sure we could sit here and have these, uh, these conversations back and forth about trademark and copyright. I am not well-versed in the law, but I talk to a lot of people that are well-versed in the law. So I've heard arguments yeah. from both sides. I appreciate you. Maybe down the line as you get into this uh, Project Veritas uh o'keefe thing we can talk about that case more on the show um sure when my platform's much bigger since we seem to be uh more than doubling every month right now so nice yeah yeah it's doing good man but i will uh i will i will take you off the screen and then i'll see you in the 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 super secret private chat for all the uh channel members here in about two minutes thank you sir All right, guys. Ron is cool, man. That guy's really cool. I, I honestly thought he was going to big time me. I'm like, I'm going to reach out to Ron Coleman see if he's going to if he's going to come on break the cycle. And I mean, with it, he's like, here's email. Check me out. It was right away. Uh, and then I accidentally sent him a, a calendar invite for the show that was from a job that I worked at in like two, 2012 or something from the Oregon Wine Garden. And he's all, excuse me, what's this? I'm like, oh, wrong one, man. But uh, Ron's super cool. So go follow him. Check him out. Check out his podcast. Become a channel member underneath any of our channels here. Just hit the join link. Uh, you can become a member and come and see all of the exclusive content with every guest after every public stream. Or you can join the Patreon or subscribe star. Uh, you get that stuff uploaded the next day, but you also get a couple other perks. And you all get into the private Discord with people like Stefan Kinsella and Angela McArdle and really cool people who support the show. And I can't tell you how much it means to me. Uh, check out our sponsors at laurenzotti.coffee. For all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And of course, my good friend, the overworked and underpaid toplobster.com, where you can get this great Scott Horton in the Wars hoodie, bright red hoodie, to make a statement that I'm wearing today. Uh, please go give this man some money. He's, like I said, way overworked. I'm doing five shows a week. He hand draws everything for the show. If you're a channel member, those emojis, he drew those. If you're a channel member, those uh, special badges you guys get, he hand drew those. The man is amazing. He deserves so much more than I can give him yet. But we're getting there. We're getting close. The show grows every day, and it's all because of you guys. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, too. Uh, James Gentleman, thank you so much for becoming a channel supporter. I appreciate you. And, uh, in fact, when I'm done with this stream with Ron, I'm going to hop off, and then I'm going to record an episode with Blackbird uh, podcast by James Gentleman. It's going to be a fun time. And, of course, executive producers, anthemplanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. These people are doing a job that the government sucks at for a much cheaper price and much more efficiently. Please check them out today to see what they can do for your business, your personal life, or your home. They're amazing libertarians from Delaware. See what they can do for you today. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Uh, guys, coming up on the show tomorrow, uh, my good friend from New Jersey. I guess I'm, I'm hitting all the New Jersey, New York people this week. Uh, my good friend Mike Rufo, who runs for Congress there. Uh, this dude is a certifiable badass from the Blue Star Union podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. On Wednesday, Dan Taxation is Theft Berman. And yes, he actually legally changed his name to that. He's going to talk He's going to talk to us all about running drugs from Mexico and how to not pay your taxes. I'm very excited for that one. On Thursday, my good friend Jacob Winograd will be on. He's also an executive producer of the show. He's going to come on to talk about religion and anarchism and libertarianism and the Mises Caucus and all those things. And then, of course, on Friday, we're going to have Eric Matheny, another badass uh, conservative lawyer who was just removed from YouTube, his whole show. Uh, so he's pretty based. It's going to be fun. It's an awesome week. Guys, I will see you tomorrow. Please think about signing up for Patreon or subscri uh, the subscribe star. All you have to hit is backslash break the cycle JS or support the channel by joining the channel like James Gentleman just did. I promise you everything's cool. I'm looking into getting you guys some great grift uh, gift uh, Christmas presents or uh, holiday gifts if you'd like. I will see you tomorrow for the show with my good friend Mike Rufo. But until then, don't forget to break the cycle.
have to explain. The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse and the frame, but I just went in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do. So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse because I just went in Minecraft. Well, Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold. Accusations of incitement getting totally old. Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just meant it in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft You're nothing I mean, you know it Don't try to get us, get the clothes from COVID 